So if you're visiting, um, I'm Bill, uh, and it's great to be back. I have missed you. We have missed you. That's the royal we. I'm speaking on behalf of my wife and I. We, we've missed you. Uh, not a lot, but we missed you. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I want to... Uh, I've um, taken time to uh, listen to the talks that you've been listening to. Um, and I've been Im- impressed and impacted by them. And uh, as a consequence, I want to talk to you something, uh, talk to you about something that I think flows out of what you've been listening to, what I've listened to. Um, and it's in line, actually, with something that Kate and Carol are going to present uh, after me in a moment. Uh, but, but this is a foundation for what they're going to say. I want to talk to you about social justice. Okay? It's a big thing. Social justice. I want to explain something about it. I want to point to scripture and show you that it's actually God's agenda, social justice. Um, but I want to take a little bit of time and just explain something. See, I was reading an article. This sounds a bit posh, but I'm not posh. I was just following a lead. Uh, I was reading an article in The Guardian, as you, as you do. No, as I don't. But I was reading an article in The Guardian, and it was fascinating. Because it was talking about this lady called um, uh, Mariana Spring. And Mariana Spring, do you know this name? You do? Oh, see, somebody else reads The Guardian. No, or or knows and knows who she is because she's BBC. That's right, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mariana is, um, she's actually the BBC's disinformation correspondent and social media correspondent. Disinformation correspondent. Can you believe that the BBC needs a disinformation correspondent? Somebody that works at at unpeeling things that are presented as truth and showing them as lies and fiction that are being presented as truth. And we live in this very confusing world where um, the, the BBC needs somebody to actually unravel and unpick some of the stuff that is being presented as truth. And so as a consequence, she is um, of 80% of the (coughs) insulting, defamatory stuff that comes at the BBC, 80% is targeting her. 80% of of the rubbish that the BBC get is targeted at her personally. And so one of the things, I'm not going to tell you many of the things that are said because they're just so evil and unpleasant. But one of the things that is said to her, I hope you get run over. That's, that's because she's going after the trolls. She's going after the people that are promoting their opinion. Their opinion. They have a right to their opinion. So you have no right to diss my opinion, even if my opinion is wrong, even if what I, the position I hold is negative and unhelpful. If you disagree with me, I wish you were dead. So she says this. People are now possessed by a fiery righteousness that has completely burned through their neighborliness. Did you hear that? They're so opinionated... 
They're so opinionated. All right, she says this. People are now possessed by a fiery righteousness that has completely burned through their neighborliness. The church is called to be the antidote to this. We are called to be righteous, yes, but not self-righteous. We're called to be neighborly. We're called to love others as we love ourselves. So she's the disinformation correspondent. She dismantles conspiracy theories and she works her tail off to, to reveal the trolls and they are coming after her. And these people, they call themselves social justice warriors. Social justice warriors. And they've hijacked something that is biblical. Social justice. And they have taken it to an extreme and made it toxic. But that's the, t- that's the hallmark of the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he will steal God's plan and purpose and, and he will corrupt it so that it becomes toxic instead of life-giving. Because social justice should be life-giving. But it becomes toxic. Um, I googled, it's a dangerous thing to do, I googled um, the um, worst social justice warrior groups. Don't do that. 50% of the top 10 wish that all men were dead. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. 50%. The top five wish that men were dead. We don't, we don't like men. We don't want men. They're toxic. They're rapists. They're unpleasant. Just extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And yet God loves men and women. He loves us. So social justice warriors, just stop oil. Uh, there's uh, anti-vaccine people. There's Black Lives Matter. There's snowflakes. I had to look up some of these terms. Snowflake. What's a snowflake? Oh, I know what a snowflake is, and we're not going to see any today. But I know what a snowflake is because I looked it up. And it's just somebody that is oblivious to everything other than their own feelings. It's a snowflake. Don't matter what you think. I'm, I'm right. No, you're wrong. No, I'm not. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? And so social justice gets a bad rap. When you talk about social justice, people think, oh, you're crazy. You're going to be a crazy. And I want to say no, because God is a social justice warrior. God is. Because he says in Psalm 33, verse 5, um, it's interesting. I was just taking some notes yesterday, sitting down down the summer house and thinking about this morning and writing. And Ellen came down and said, I've been reading Psalm 33. You wouldn't believe it. Listen to this. And she reads this to me. Psalm 33, verse 5. She read a lot more, but this is what jumped out at me. And it was jumping out to Ellen as well as she was reading, independent of me. She didn't know what I was doing. Psalm 33, verse 5 says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The Lord loves it. He loves righteousness And he loves justice. And so I want to talk to you very quickly about social justice. But I I need to help you understand what that really is. Because I didn't understand. I know as a principle, but if I was asked to explain it, I would struggle. So I googled, what is social justice? And I found 
four principles of social justice. And then I found five principles of social justice. And then I found five keys to social justice. And then I found six elements of social justice. And I was confused. I was really confused. And I'm very quickly going to tell you what I read. And then I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible says. Because I think they don't know it. But these elements, these six elements, highlight God's plan and principle for social justice. But the first four principles I read were access, people need to be able to access stuff that will support them, whether it's education or health or whatever. So they need access to stuff. They need equality. So if you can have it, so can I. If I've got it, you can have it. Uh, Participation. Anybody can join in. And then human rights. We're all humans and we all have rights as a human as a basic right to safety, to, to love, to care. And we could unpack those things. I don't want to do that today. But those are four principles. And then there's five principles. And the five principles are very similar. They just have one extra. Access to resources, equality, participation, and then diversity. We don't all have to be the same. In fact, hopefully we're not the same. I can't imagine a world full of me. <laughs> just... Actually, I would really enjoy it. No, maybe not. <laughs> I wouldn't have any difficulty. But we would get on like a house on fire. <laughs> yeah, but only me. Oh, anyway. Yeah, and human rights. Then, then five keys. Five keys. Five things that are really, really important to unlock social justice. Education unlocks social justice. Employment. Uh, recovery. Uh, family. And community, this gets my, this whets my appetite when I read this. These are elements for social justice. We need to belong. We need to be, we, we, we are no good as islands, as I am continually battling to hold on to the fact that I'm not an island. When most of my life I, I'd learned that I'm better off, I, I, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm an island and I'm just going to get, and, and the world doesn't need me. Oh, what a stinking attitude I have had over years. And then God set me free and helped me understand that actually uh, I'm meant to be a team player. I'm, I'm needed in my family. I'm needed in this family. Uh, no matter what my role, but I'm just needed because I'm me. And you're needed because you're you, not because of what you do. See, one of the things that uh, Mariana noticed and, and pointed out to me was it's not about what, it's about who. You see, social justice warriors get on the bandwagon of what. It's all about what's going on and what you think and what you... And actually, she says it's more about who. It's who that matters. It's not what. It's who. It's people. And I, I just found that encouraging and, and enlightening for me. So the five keys, as I said, were education, employment, recovery, family, community. We could unpack these and we could speak for months on this stuff and the importance of the church as a family, as a community, as a place where we learn, a place where we actually create employment, where we actually give opportunity for recovery. Because many of us have been wounded by all sorts of stuff in our journeys. We, we've got scars and scabs because of situations and circumstances, and it's a place for recovery. So it, for me, it paints a picture of social justice actually begins in the church, for me, for me. 
And then six elements, and these six elements I found intriguing, and, uh, and I'm going to take you to, Corinth, uh, to Colossians 3 to unpack these six elements very briefly. But these six elements were uh, love of self and knowledge. Uh, I'll explain it. I'm just going to say them, and then I'm going to ex- unpack them a little bit. So these six elements of social justice are love of self and knowledge, respect for others, issues of social justice, Social movements and social change, awareness rising, and social action. Okay, so this is just six elements of social justice that somebody's put together, and I found them, and, and I, I wrote them down, and then I began to think about them. Love of self and knowledge. That speaks to me about the love, loving understanding that I am loved. And to love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Because as I love him, I will grow in my understanding of him. So loving myself because he loves me. Not beating myself up because of all the things that I can't do or haven't done or should do and aren't doing. But just understanding that I am loved, that I'm loved, that I'm loved. And releasing myself to love myself. Forgive myself, love myself, and then grow in my knowledge of him as I love him because he first loved me. And then that grows into respect for others, loving others as you love yourself, loving others, loving others as you love yourself. The problem that many of us have is we're not very nice to other people because we're not very nice to ourselves. And it's a reflection of who you really are in how you treat other people. If you're unpleasant to other people, I guarantee you, any time privately with you, I will find that you're quite unpleasant to yourself. You don't think very highly of yourself because it will be reflected in how you love others. So, so respect for others. If you're going to be socially engaged, you have to understand that you're loved by God, that you love God, and that he loves these people that you don't like, and you need to... Get off your, and you need to start to love them and learn to like them. And then care, uh, issues of social justice, care for the widows, the orphans, the foreigners and the poor. Elements, six elements of social justice. One is issues of social justice. It should matter to you as a follower of Christ that people are hungry, that people haven't got jobs, that people don't know which way's up, that that a lack of finance is destroying their family, that the children are hungry and hurting because their parents are pressurized because of situations and circumstances that are beyond their help, beyond their control. It should matter to you, even even if all you can do is pray. But it should matter to you if you are truly a follower of Christ because they matter to him. Because he says, you, Christian, care, for the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, and the poor. Those are the people that fall between the cracks of the social justice system that God set up called family in the Jewish culture. The social structure that God planned was that everybody would belong. So he puts the lonelies, the lonely in families. I read that somewhere. It's called the Bible. And then he says, uh, the, 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 the writer of these elements said, Awareness rising. Jesus said, lift your eyes. Lift your heads. Look up. Have a look. There are people. The fields are white. There are people 
dying and going to hell. Because we, as the church, have been navel-gazing. I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got some bread. I'm okay. But they're hungry. And we're missing them. And we're not seeing them. And it's not just the people that you think, oh, their actions, they're reaping the consequences of their choices. It's not just those people that have been trapped by drugs or gambling or any other form of addiction. It's not just those. It's people in work trying to hold down a job and the pressures and when they don't know which way's up. And they need to know that there is one who can step in with them and hold them and help them. And he's called Jesus. And that he's got a bride that's equipped to care and love and support and encourage. And the final one, final one of those elements was social action. You've got to share the goodness of God that you've experienced. You've got to share it. Your social action is not just about collecting food at Tesco's when we have a food collection for, for the food bank. It's about you owning your social responsibility to be somebody that shares the good news of Jesus Christ. So what I learned as I listened over the last few weeks, we had, you've listened to the Great Commission from Stuart Blount. Then you listened to Dan sharing about the great obedience. And then you heard from John about great control. I put these labels on them. Some of them have already labeled, been labeled by Dan, Daniel on the podcast. So we heard John talk about great control. We heard him talk about Christ's love controlling us and not being controlled by the things that we hang on to, like those apps that you never use on your mobile phone. And then we heard Martin talk about the great confidence that we have in Christ to be able to share the fact that he died on a cross and to be, to be missional about it. And so I entitled what I'm, what I'm talking to you about the great compassion. Because you see, if we don't care, all this is just knowledge. If you don't care, you'll never do anything with what you're hearing. So I, I want to say this is about the great compassion. So let me just take you to Colossians 3.10 and then I'm going to ask Kate to come and speak. Uh, I don't know whether Kate or Carol's coming first. Colossians 3. I'm just going to read um, a few verses. I'm going to read down to 16. Verse 10. And so I want you to hear it as though I'm telling you. Because Paul was writing to the church in, in uh, Colossae. Was, and he's saying, this is not just information. This is, this is my challenge to you. Put on, put on, put on, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Put on your new nature. Put it on. Make an effort to change old habits for new habits. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn, grow in your understanding, to know your creator and become like him. As you get revelation of him, it'll change you. You'll become more like him. So put on your new nature and learn to know your creator 
and become like him. 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. It's Christ. doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what your background is. If you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he lives in you. It's, he's all that matters. So put on your new nature. Think differently. Act differently. Because he is the one that you're representing. He lives in all of us. Verse 12. Since God chose you. Just pause. Woo. Hang on a second. I can't imagine him. I can, oh yeah, I can see the rest of you. Be, this table here? My Lord. God, you must have got it wrong. That's tough, isn't it? But he chose you. He made a choice. He could have left you out, but he brought you in. He chose you. Can you believe that? Come on. He chose you. He chose you. Since God chose you to be the holy people. Oh, oh, oh. set apart, that means. Not, not perfect. Just means set apart. He chose you, the holy people he loves. Since God chose you, you must clothe yourself with compassion. Since he chose you, because he chose you, because he's for you, because he likes you, because he wants you to be with him, you must put on compassion. You must manifest compassion as part of your followership of your king. Another translation calls it tender-heartedness. Just think about it. What would the world be like if people were more compassionate? If they had more tender-heartedness towards people? Not sympathy, but empathy. If you want to know the difference of those two, listen to Brenny Brown. She, she very succinctly tells the difference between empathy. Uh, empathy pulls people in. Sympathy pushes people away. You don't want to be pouring sympathy on people. Ah, oh, there, there. Never mind, Carol. Never mind. But if you say, Carol, I understand. Wow. I never knew. Gosh, breaks my heart. That's empathy. Empathy and sympathy, they're totally different. People will think they're the same, but they're different. And we're called to clothe ourselves with compassion, with tenderheartedness, with mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. If we just worked in those elements, our social justice work would be phenomenal. Verse 13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive others. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard. But then, mm, love is a muscle and it has to be exercised. Verse 14, above all, above all, Above all these things that I've just mentioned, above compassion and tenderheartedness and mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, above all, clothe yourself with love. With love. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I wrote in my notes here, 
because I'm coming down one side of the page. And so I've written it on the other side of the page, and so it stands out for me in, in, in relief because it's just there as it, on its own. And I, I, wrote an, I put an arrow from above all, clothe yourself with love. And I just wrote this, love is the measure of our fellowship, of our followership. It's not the measure of our fellowship. Love is the measure of our followership. You see, Jesus says, the world will see you're a disciple of mine by the way that you love each other. By the way that you love. By the way that you love. It's a measure of your followership. And then verse 16, I missed out 15, just jump into 16 just to finish. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your life. Let the message of Christ fill your life. If he fills you, you will be a social justice warrior. You will. Because people will matter. People will matter to you. And because they matter to him, and they matter to you, you're developing a partnership. And it's where his kingdom comes and his glory is manifest. And people's lives are transformed and they're saved and healed and delivered because you are warring socially for justice. Justice that people would have what they deserve. The love of God, the freedom of God, the grace of God the manifest presence of God in their lives, in their journey. And so I'm going to hand over to Kate. Okay. It's, it's so good to see everybody because um, I feel like I haven't seen anybody for ages. But um, uh, just to follow on from what you were sharing there, I just want to lead into what we're going to share with you guys today um, with a scripture, which is Proverbs 31. Okay, um, look, uh, eight and nine, it says, uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless <clears throat> and see that they get justice. Okay, so um, many of you know um, the work that we're doing with the food bank and in the life of the church here in our community. Um, it's growing and growing and growing. And um, the need in our community as you probably see, is massive. And the numbers of people that are coming into this space where you're sat today on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday is significantly increasing to the point where it's actually quite worrying. And, um, and so we're at the place now where we really need to actually begin to start challenging government on things. And so we as a church partner with the Trussell Trust in the work that we do with the food bank. So we're uh, um, affiliated with the Trussell Trust. You, many of you know this, but I'm aware there's some visitors in here. So the work that we're doing is not literally, it's not just us having a good idea as a local um, church that are trying to help feed people. We're actually working nationally um, with the Trussell Trust, who are working in partnership with the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, who are a, is a leading charity in the UK for um, uh, to. to Social justice, yeah, social justice, challenging the government actually on poverty and how they deal with poverty and opening the government's eyes up to the reality of what's going on. And so the work that we do locally within with running our food bank, yes, we're handing out food, but actually that's one tiny element of the work that we're doing. It's really key. Now, 
the, the stats, Carol will run through the stats with you in a minute, but one thing that I just want to l- let you know is that like uh, uh, this year we have fed more people to date than we did the whole of the 12 months last year and we're only eight months in. Okay, so um, the stats are going like this. And so the, we have to make a stand in our community and challenge uh, the decisions that are being made. And the only way we can do that is if we together speak out and fight for the people that can't speak for themselves at the moment. Because when you're in struggle, when you're in crisis, the people that come into us to, that are in need of an emergency food parcel, they're referred in. They don't just walk in and say, I'm hungry. They're referred in by... Um, uh, uh, so, uh, social workers, head teachers, um, the council in the hub, they refer to us. Um, all sorts of people that are significant people within this community that are recognize a person's crisis. And they then refer them into us. So when they come to us, these people, it's real. The poverty is real, right? The struggle is real. And just last week on Monday, we had a client come in and himself and his wife had not eaten for four days. Four days, right? This is a man that lives outside of Lettley, but would be classed as Lettley in the uh, rural areas, right? And can only afford, can only afford to bring their car into Lettley to access the food bank one day a week, but they hadn't been able to come in and so they hadn't, they hadn't had any food. They'd run out. And so they hadn't eaten for four days because they couldn't get in. They had to wait till they had enough money to put... To, to, there's a bigger story. I won't go into it. But the, the, the struggle is real in our community. And if you go back to that scripture there... Oh, I've got to find it now. That scripture... Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. People in our community right now are are being crushed by what's going on around. And I think potentially there are people in this place that potentially you might be affected by it, but there's others that aren't actually, you know, yeah, cost of living, yeah, it affects you, but you're not being crushed by it. You're still able to feed yourself. You're still able to put fuel in your car. You're still able to pay your bills. It might be tight and you might have to pull right back on things, but you're actually all right, you know? But there's people that are in this community that are not all right. And unless we make a stand and stand in the gap for these people, that it's just going to keep escalating. And so the Trussell Trust have uh, um, run in some campaigns. One of them we've spoken to you about before, which is the Guarantee the Essentials campaign. And this this is um, what we're going to talk to you about today. Carol's going to talk to you about it. We have been, uh, many of you have written a, um, an email to the MP, okay, Nia Griffiths, regarding this and taking your stand and challenging her to bring it to Westminster to be discussed at government about this issue but today we're asking you to sign a petition so I'm going to ask Carol to give to share she's going to share some information with you give you a bit of a background of why we're asking you to do this today to stand with us but also then we need you to keep standing with us in this and that we as a church we need to stand in the gap and we need to fight for justice for the people that are facing real crisis and struggle and uh, God has placed us in a in a in a in a in a most amazing place within this community where uh 
the community listen to our voice and people that have influence, the council and other people within this community that have influence, listen to us. And I think there's many of you, many of you in this place here, in this room, sat right now, come here to worship God in this place and to meet together. But you have influence also. And you, it's really important that you do not underestimate the influence, the level of influence that you have as a person in this community, in your friendship groups, in your family groups, in your neighborhood, your neighbors you might not know your neighbors but you have influence there if you go and meet them if you go and speak to them if you engage with them and what we're going to ask you is that you would stand with us as a church the leadership are with us in this we're not doing it on our own but you stand with us and you stand with the community and you begin to stand in the gap and challenge what is wrong okay and we've got tools and if you want to work with us we've got tools to do this in a way that's not scary, and um, that is organized, um, but that there's power in it. There's power, and we, working together, can see we will be able to bring a shift. But well, Carol will explain the, some of the stats on how that works, and your little, your little thing that you might be able to help us in w- will have a massive impact, okay? Okay, stats time, guys. Carol loves stats. Let's go. I've got a folder on. Right, here we go. So, I'm going to try not to get emotional today, but I cannot promise that. So, on average, since January of this year, we've seen a 250% increase in the number of people we're feeding in a month on last year. So, in January, we've had 250 more people than the year before. February, it was over 250 people than the year before, and the figures are just, as Kate said, going up and up through the roof. So last month, just in a month of August, we've had a look at the figures, and we fed 543 people. 543. As Kate mentioned, we've already fed this year in eight months, more than we fed in the whole of the 12 months last year. We've already fed 3,907 people. And we've got four months to go. And usually the next four months are our busiest four months of the year. The lead up to Christmas is considerably challenging. Currently, we've fed 121 more people more than last year already. So we're over already by 121. So we are set this year to be the highest amount of people fed in the whole of Food Bank. Since Claire started with Food Bank back in 2011, this will be the most amount of people we've ever fed in 12 years. So our donations have dropped for various reasons. People are in crisis themselves. They need to pull back. They need to cover their own outgoings. They need to be able to support themselves and their family. But also we have people that are still giving, as they did last year. They're in that position. They can still give as they were. They're not being affected as badly. But obviously if you go to the shop now and you spend your £10 a week on donations, you're getting half as much food as you did last year. So even if you're donating the same, we're still getting less in that way. The donations have dropped to such a degree, and I've never seen it, that we now have to purchase food. We have to go out, 
to the supermarket and buy food because our mountain of beans, our mount- we had to buy cereal a couple of weeks ago. I was like, cereal? Beans? The only thing we are still holding on to is pasta. We're all right. Pasta is still holding its own, but everything else, gone. Which, because I've seen it with my eyes, I've seen that, the garage full of stock ready to go out, full of items that have been donated, to see nothing. And in my mind, I feel like there's tumbleweed going through the warehouse where there's nothing there. So we've had to start purchasing stock. Now, since April, which wasn't that many months ago, we've, had, we've purchased over 16 tonne of stock. Sixteen ten that we've had to travel to the supermarket. We've had to buy it, put it all in the van, bring it all here, take it out to the van. John doesn't need to go to the gym anymore. <laughs> Muscle man, sixteen ton. <laughs> He'd be able to pick me up soon. He will. That's what he's going for, I reckon. That's why he does it. <laughs> oh, guys. So, in July, the cost of the food that we purchased was £15,000 in July. One month. £15,000. On a food bank that was run with Claire for years and years with no funding at all. Community donating to the community, going back out to the community, self-sustainable for 11, 11 years. £15,000 in July, one month. That is not sustainable, guys. That is not. If we didn't have the funds to purchase food, everybody would just be on pasta. The only thing we can give you as a food bank is pasta. Good luck. We wouldn't have anything. And it breaks my heart. It really does. Now... I can give you facts and figures all day long. I love my facts and figures. But behind each one of those figures is a story. There's a person. Now, I'm not great at counting, but I've gone around, and you might have seen me looking, and I'm trying to add up everybody in the room, and you might go, what's she doing now? But I reckon, and tell me if I'm wrong, there's about 45 people in this room. That's what I reckon. In the three hours that we were in this room on Friday... We fed 78 people. There were 78 people represented in the show. Not 78 people came in, but the amount of passes that we gave out fed 78 people. So in our local community of Lesley and slightly out into the rural areas, there were 78 people that woke up on Friday morning and had no food in their cupboards. That was just in three hours. We are feeding, on average, 150 to 200 people a week. 200 people a week in our local community. They get up and go, hmm, nothing for breakfast, don't know what we're going to have for dinner. Hope the kids are not too hungry. This is shocking, guys. It is absolutely, it breaks my heart. Shocking. We've got an amazing team. They work so hard. They are so faithful to everything that they do, whether it's John being a muscle man, whether it's Teddy following John around being a muscle man, 
whether it's the ladies and the guys packing and processing, whether it's the guys in here, everybody is really stretched. We've got to do something. These, the people that come in are completely broken. They do not know which way is up. Many of them do not want to be here. If one more person tells me, if it wasn't for you, the guys being here and the support I receive when I come, I would have ended it all because there is no hope anywhere else. I get challenged quite often. I got challenged quite a lot, actually, about asking people to sign the petition. And I think if I heard once more, all the people you support are substance users, they've got issues with drug or alcohol, or they just don't want to work. Yes, we do have those people. Yes, we do have people that have got substance misuse. But you sit with them around a cup of the table and have a cup of tea and you realise why. Why are they self-medicating with alcohol, with drugs? Because they can't cope with what they've suffered, with the trauma that goes on with their mental health. And they can't access support for that. So they turn to the closest thing that they can get. What about the guy that is out to have his car repossessed because he can't afford to keep it and now if he wants to come to food bank he's got to walk for two hours to pick up a parcel but he'll do it because we're the only people that he'll see he won't talk to anybody else for the whole week so he sits here all all the, all the session that we're here what about the social workers that go out into the houses the families of the community and come in and go whoa i need a parcel i've been to this house they have no food they don't even have any gas and electric the kids haven't eaten for days please help we've got to do something jesus knows every one of these people in our community he is bringing them in the door we have a responsibility our eyes are not closed we cannot say there is no issues, there's no problems. We see the issues, we see the problems. And if you want to see them, please come along one of the sessions, we're open. And come and sit and listen to some of the stories. It is time for social justice. Not shouting, not arguing, not being offensive, but just giving people the facts of the reality of the lives that people are living. So... Our next step on our social justice journey is to sign our petition with Trussell Trust and local food banks and the Joseph Rountree Foundation. They've done some research to find what is driving so many people to food banks. Why are we up now that we've fed so many people? And they've linked it back to the, price, the universal credit rate that people receive is no longer enough to cover people's core essentials. Now, I am not talking about going to the pub once a week. I'm not talking about buying your fags. I'm not talking about driving your posh car. Bare essentials, gas, electric, water, basic food, clothes, basic clothes, and some other essential costs. If you are just receiving universal credit at the moment, and that is your only form of income, you are £35 a week short before you even start. You have not got enough coming in to cover the essentials. So, social justice action is to get the government to debate it in Parliament and to be able to understand that it is just not working. It needs to be put to a level where people can at least cover the essentials, the human right essentials. 
So, guys, you might have found on your table is a little card with a nice, lovely, pretty QR code on the back. Now, if we could all get our phones out, I'm not asking you to turn your torches on. I'm not singing. It's not a concert. You wouldn't want that. Oh, look. Oh, oh Scott's put his torch on. There's lovely. Would you please stand with us on the next step in our social justice journey and sign the petition? We can do it online by scanning the code. I have got some paper copies if anyone wants to go old school and we can get those sent off. But we need 100,000 signatures across all the Trestle Trust food banks. And I would like to have the most signatures. Not competitive at all. However, we did have the most emails sent to the MP, guys. We had the most emailed MP. In the whole of the UK, Pornia Griffiths. Her poor inbox must go ding, 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 ding. So, how many petitions can we get? This, I've got some cards at the back. If you could take them home, share them with friends, family, your neighbour, your auntie's dog. If it's somebody that can sign a petition. Kinley's dog. Let's get them on it. It's really simple. It's just name, postcode, email address, and whether you want to receive updates from Trust or Trust or not. But if you've got any questions, come and have a chat with me at the back. Take some cards with you. And let's take this next. Oh, Claire. Oh, look at us. Yay. Yay. Thank you for your time, guys. Thank you for being so involved and thinking about people in our community. Thank you, Carol. So go back to that scripture. In doing this, just signing that petition, you are. Spe- it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Signing this petition, you're just playing your part in just one little thing. But there are so, so many things that you can do to stand with us as, uh, as a church in your own way. Okay, so please, I ask you, please... Don't go away from today, from this from this church service, and just forget about it. Because we have to, we have to, we have to pray into where what where God has taken us in this. But also, we need to allow Him to guide us and lead us in it. Because as we listen to Him, we will see amazing things happen. And in all that we do, when you sign this petition, right, uh, Trussell log how many people in the, by the postcode. Uh, taking part in this. So I would ask you, please, if you can take these flyers, we've got hundreds of them, go out to your street and knock the door of your neighbour and ask them just to sign the petition. Talk to them about what we've shared with you today. If you want to find out more, you can go on to the Athletic uh, Food Bank's website and look at what we're doing. Look at, also go on to the Trussell Trust website and also you can go on to the Joseph Roundtree Foundation website and they've done, there's lots of research on this work and what we're doing and why we're standing with them in this because we have to see change across the UK but locally in our community we have to see transformation we have to see this end and we have to stand with people in this and in all of that right this is just one petition I'm asking you to do but if I can just share 
we are doing lots of things as a church to um, to to help these help people that are in struggle are struggling. When you come into uh, this space um, during the week, it's, we call it a community life hub. So when people come to the community life hub, there's all sorts of help that they can access. Okay, so we can if they've got struggle with gas and electric, we, and they're on a prepayment meter, we can issue them a voucher through Fuel Bank or registered, and our team will give put gas and electric um, onto their account for them. So uh, on straight onto their account with the electricity company and instantly within a couple of hours they can have electric and gas and we're seeing so many families with children coming in and 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 the social workers are just really worried because they ha- they haven't got gas to f- cook or, or electric to be able to feed their children that night and if we don't do that they can't you know, there's a knock-on effect. So there's what the in and we've set up a money support project, and I have a manager that works and runs that. And under the money support project, we are now just this week we've launched our um, uh, a debt project. We're working in partnership with Community Money Advice, so we've set up a connect centre. So Liz is managing that, but we've got um, volunteers and team um, trained up as money mentors. But if you are a person that wants to stand in the gap and support people that are in crisis this is a project that we have to grow and we have to develop and i have we need it has to be run through volunteers um that have got an ability to be able to support people um, with their finances if they're in debt now it's all (laughs) it's all training there's training with it and it's not the volunteers don't carry any responsibility for that debt but what we do is our volunteers will work with the client listen to their story understand what all the issues and what's causing the debt and then we work with the debt advisors in the main hub to and they then um, uh, get work with them to get them debt free but our team our volunteers are just mentors so they just will liaise between the person so they're the face because what we really see and what it needs to happen within this community is our community need face-to-face support but so many people and agencies across this community don't want to do the face-to-face you've got to go online if you want debt support you've got to phone up somebody and they won't do the face-to-face so we're really pushing to bring out work in partnership with the agencies that are really really good at what they do in to provide support for these people that are in crisis because they need more than just a food bank parcel if we carry on just handing out food bank parcels this issue is not going to end so there's multiple things that we have to do to support people across this community to to work to end the need for food bank because that's our goal is to close our food bank down and i am doing everything i can to <laughs> to try and see that happen and now when you're in a cost of living crisis people look at me and say i'm crazy when i say that but we have a big God we have a God that knows all things and he knows who needs to play their part in this in Tlatli to see community transformation in Tlatli now you know what Tlatli's like you you live here you're here for a reason and God has called you called you for such a time as this to stand in the gap stand in the gap and sometimes people get scared when you think of poverty, the amount of Christians I talk to, I'm going to be really, this is honest, right? <laughs> the amount of Christians I speak to about poverty and ask them to come and help and get involved and speak to the people that are in crisis, they're scared. And they go, oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll help you with your food bank, but what I'll do is I'll just pack the parcels because I can't do the face-to-face thing and talk to them. Do you know why? Because they're scared. Why are they scared? Why are they scared? Because it's the unknown. 
Because if you haven't been through struggles, sometimes people, they, they, people struggle to, commu- to, to connect, right? But, you know, who was Jesus? Jesus was a man that spent time with everybody. Jesus was a man that didn't judge, didn't judge. And I think for us as Christians, we need to look, look at where God's placed us. And don't, don't work out of fear. Because if we work out of fear, if I was to work out of fear, right, do you know what? I'd run the other way. Because this whole stu- this whole situation that we're in, in, in in our community is scary. Carol told you that we spent £15,000 on that food for that in July, right? But we haven't got that money in the pot. We've got no money in our pot for that. I have to, I have to pray and ask God to guide me and lead me on the, who I need to speak to to try and pull this money in. Because you can't get grant funding to buy food. Did you know that? No grant organization will give us money to buy food. So what are we going to do? And I was like, God, I've just been praying. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Amazingly, the Trustle Trust allowed me to apply for an emergency grant for £30,000 to buy the food because nobody else would give it to us and they recognize our stats are so high if we were to stop feeding the people our community the crisis in this community would be massive the knock-on effect if we didn't give the food that was needed right now knock-on effect to the social workers the schools the education of the children all of these things the knock-on effect is massive and I think for you as a church I want to challenge you to to raise your eyes and to see that there's power in you to make a difference and the little things of just signing a petition writing an email to Nia Griffiths for us linking in there's power in that and we can see community transformation so there's loads of things within the work of the food bank we've now got seven paid staff okay and we have over 50 volunteers just with the food bank project as a church we have about 58 58 to 60 paid staff and we have between 1,800 volunteers across all the work that we do as a church in this community. Now, God is doing amazing things. There is power in that number. Yeah? And if we stand together as a church, just you guys is a big number in this place. You have power and you have influence. And if you can speak to the people around you, you don't know. You might be best friends with, what are they called? A philanthropist. <laughs> I can't say that word. Do you know what? I'm gonna, can I tell them a story about that? Just to finish this. I could talk forever, right? And I know that. But I just want to say this to you. Okay. I, I was driving to work on the Tuesday morning and I had some time off. I had some time off and it was actually really hard to have time off because I was in pain and I was highly stressed. Can you imagine working in this environment all the time? It's really stressful. And it took me quite a while to come down from and try and switch off from this. But in it all, I was like, God, I don't know how we're going to move into October, right? If last year, every month, we went on a 45% increase month on month, okay, we're now looking at spend, needing 15 grand right now a month. But yet in October, potentially that could double. So we might need 30 grand a month. Where's that going to come from? And it's been really, it's really stressful. And I drove to work on Tuesday. <laughs> I drove in the car park and I, I saw the little van. And if you've seen our little food bank van, that van is the van that was moved. How many ton? 18 ton of food. <laughs> the van's about to die. 
the van is about to die and I'm not and that's no joke it keeps conking out so, and I, I drove in the car park and I was like God I can't do this on my own that van is gonna die and that van is key for feeding our community and I was like God I don't know how we move forward and how we meet the need but all I know is I can trust you and I was like God you know all things please just show me that you're there in this and so I came in and I carried on and said hi to people as I got on my car and came in and and it was a really stressful day was it Tuesday Oh, no, it was Monday. Oh, it was my first day. It wasn't Tuesday. It was my first day on Monday. And it was really stressful. And I was like, ah. And then we closed the food bank at one o'clock. And at like 10 past one or something, I had an email through. And I was like, hmm? Read this email. And I was with Carol and Liz, who's our money support manager. And I was in absolute shock. I, I, I couldn't speak. And I almost cried. And I was like, and they're like, what? Are you Okay. And I was like, I've had an email from a charity that managed money for philanthropists, a philanthropist person. I don't know what they are, a person that likes to be nice. And somebody wants to give us just under £20,000 to support the work that God is doing in our food, in our, in support the work of the food bank to, to meet the need of people. And, uh, I was like, Ooh, is this, is this real? So on the email, the guy that emailed me said, Oh, you can have a, have a, if you, if you question, is this real or not? I understand it's a bit crazy. Um, just say, I'll, I'll, I'll have a meeting with you. So I messaged him and he was able to speak to him on the phone. I had a chat with him and, I was like, can I ask, he's like, do you have any questions? I was like, yeah. Uh, how does, does, like, how does this happen? <laughs> does this person know us? And he went, uh, uh, I can't tell you anything, but the person knows you. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I can't give you any details. They don't want to be known. You, they don't want to be known, but if you want to write a letter to them, you can write a letter to them and um, and share your thanks. And I was like, yes, please, I will write a letter. So I write a letter to this guy. But do you know, I think this person lives in a diff- oh, very far away from here, right? Because of some things that I remember in conversation that I've had. That person wouldn't have known uh, where we're at with the crisis, right? But God heard my prayer and my heart over the past couple of weeks. And God has triggered somebody to go, do you know what? I'm going to be that sign for that little church, <laughs> the little old Clethley, for them to know that I'm with them in this and I'm going ahead of them, going ahead of them. And for me, you might go, ah, that's a massive amount of money. Yeah, but for us, it's not even going to last very long. But for me, in it, where the power is, is that God knows all things. And that all we have to do is play our part. And what I just challenge you with as a person in your job, 
in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood. Ask God to guide you and lead you. You have power and you have influence and you can stand with with us in this without even having to put money in the pot. Seriously, I'm not, we're not about, this isn't asking you to put money in the pot. This is asking you to stand with us in prayer, in, in relationship. If you can just come and bring us cake sometimes, that would be amazing. No, but just stand with us in this. Because we as a church are called for such a time as this to stand in the gap and fight for what is wrong in this world at the moment. And one of these things is that the people in our community are hungry. Well done, Kate. If that doesn't stir your compassion, social justice matters. Don't, don't just write emails or proper letters. Knock on their doors. Make an appointment to go and speak to Nia. Form a queue and say, what are you doing? How can we pray for you? What are your pressures? What are your problems in doing something about this? Get informed. Let her know that you're on a mission. To share that we're just running, we just started a new campaign locally, right? As our local little food bank, and um, so we've just done some film work. My brother, if you don't know, as many of you do know, my brother is a filmmaker, and he's based up in Manchester. And um, uh, we've uh, he came down for a couple of days filming, and and what the, what we're running with is a new campaign, and the ca- campaign I just felt God call, tell me to call it, and it's called Voices of Change. And what I feel God calling us to do is that for us as a church, we need to raise the voice of the people in this community of the real struggle and and the brokenness that's there. For those people that have power and influence to bring change, to understand the heart of the people and, and that their, their decisions that they make in high places have influence significant influence on the local people in our community and if they don't can't listen to the stories and make right decisions well oof. but that's the call is to to rate for us if we're going to move into this raise this this campaign work of raising people's voices and so we'll take you on that journey, okay? And if you want to be part of it, that's why I wanted to share, is if you want to be part of this campaign work and just standing in the gap and listening to people's stories and enabling people's voices to be heard and the, the, what we're going to do, to what we're going to move into to do that, uh, come and speak to me or Carol because we'd love you to stand with us in it if you want to. Throughout history, Christians have changed community. Throughout history. And we need to change we need to change stuff in our culture, in our community. Let's not be the silent ones who don't do anything. Let's be the militant social justice warriors with righteousness and integrity, with compassion and mercy because of Christ. I, I read to you, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. That's who motivates us. We're going to break bread. Okay? Um, there's juice on your table. I'm going to ask you, there's a plate on your table. 
to come and get some bread, okay? Uh, get, if just one person comes and gets enough bread for the people on your table, okay? It's not a piece each. Uh, sometimes that happens, but it can be. It depends if there's stuff left. If you get enough for your table and there's more left, it needs to go. I'm not taking this home, okay? Um, uh, but I want you to, I want you to, as you break bread, I want you to say, God, thank you. Okay, as you remember his sacrifice for you. But don't just say thank you. Just understand that his saving grace was a call to mission. His saving grace, his kingdom coming in your life, in your heart, in your experience, was so that you can be an agent for transformation in this world of ours. It's not just a ticket to heaven. Do you hear me? It's not just a ticket to heaven. All right, it, it's your opportunity for you to step up and to take your responsibility as a follower of Christ to put on compassion, to put on mercy, to put on this warrior spirit that says it's not right, it's unholy, and I am going to do something about it. You look through history. And you've got amazing people that have brought transformation because of their relationship with Christ. Slavery was ended. Schools were started. Hospitals were built. Cities transformed. Communities transformed. Businesses started. Hope generated. Healing ministered because of Christ and his sacrifice. And this bread and this juice symbolizes his sacrifice that you have indulged in, that you have been blessed with, that you own his grace. Do something with it. Don't let it be an expensive gift that he gave you that you've never used. Take and eat and celebrate and live out of the energy of his love by loving people so that they know that you're a disciple of Jesus.